Just take the tube. Last day in the UK, said Beatrice. Last chance to have a good time. He probably used up his British money in a pub, thinking he'd keep just enough for the train. Six drinks later, he's out in the fresh air, sobering up, and all he's got left is his plane ticket and £1.70. It sounded plausible. But if it was true, then why leave this lost sheep in the lurch? It wasn't like B to leave anybody stranded. He turned toward her darkened face again, and was alarmed to see teardrops twinkling on her jaw and in the corners of her mouth. Peter, she said. He took one hand off the steering wheel again, this time to squeeze her shoulder. Suspended over the highway up ahead was a sign with the symbol of an aeroplane on it. Peter, this is our last chance. Last chance? To make love. The indicator lights flashed gently and went tick, tick, tick as he eased the car into the airport lane. The words make love bumbled against his brain, trying to get in, even though there was no room in there. He almost said, you're joking. But even though she had a fine sense of humour and loved to laugh, she never joked about things that mattered. As he drove on, the sense that they were not on the same page, that they needed different things at this crucial time, entered the car like a discomforting presence. He'd thought, he'd felt that yesterday morning had been their proper leave-taking and that this trip to the airport was just a postscript almost. Yesterday morning had been so right. They'd finally worked their way to the bottom of their to-do list. His bag was already packed. B had the day off work. They'd slept like logs. They'd woken up to brilliant sunshine warming the yellow duvet of their bed. Joshua the cat had been lying in a comical pose at their feet. They'd nudged him off and made love, without speaking, slowly and with great tenderness. Afterward, Joshua had jumped back on the bed and tentatively laid one forepaw on Peter's naked chin, as if to say, Don't go. I will hold you here. It was a poignant moment, expressing the situation better than language could have. Or perhaps it was just that the exotic cuteness of the cat put a protective furry layer over the raw human pain, making it endurable. Whatever. It was perfection. They'd lain there listening to Joshua's throaty purr, enfolded in each other's arms, their sweat evaporating in the sun, their heart rates gradually reverting to normal. One more time, she said to him now, above the engine noise on a dark motorway on the way to the plane that would take him to America and beyond. He consulted the digital clock on the dashboard. He was supposed to be at the check-in counter in two hours. They were about fifteen minutes from the airport. You're wonderful he said. Perhaps if he pronounced the words in exactly the right way, she might get the message that they shouldn't try to improve on yesterday, that they should just leave it at that. I don't want to be wonderful, she said. I want you inside me. He drove for a few seconds in silence, adjusting quickly to the circumstances. Prompt adjustment to change circumstances was another thing they had in common. There are lots of those horrible corporate hotels right near the airport, he said. We could rent a room just for an hour. He regretted the horrible bit. It sounded as though he was trying to dissuade her while pretending not to. He only meant that the hotels were the sort they both avoided if they possibly could. Just find a quiet lay-by, she said. We can do it in the car. Crisis, he said. And they both laughed. Crisis was the word he had trained himself to say instead of Christ when he first became a Christian. The two words were close enough in sound for him to be able to diffuse a blasphemy 
when it was already half out of his mouth. I mean it, she said. Anywhere will do. Just don't park in a place where another car's likely to run into the back of us. The highway looked different to him now as they drove on. In theory, it was the same stretch of tarmac bounded by the same traffic paraphernalia and flimsy metal fences, but it had been transformed by their own intent. It was no longer a straight line to an airport. It was a mysterious hinterland of shadowy detours and hidey holes. Proof, once again, that reality was not objective, but always waiting to be reshaped and redefined by one's attitude. Of course, everybody on Earth had the power to reshape reality. It was one of the things Peter and Beatrice talked about a lot. The challenge of getting people to grasp that life was only as grim and confining as you perceived it to be. The challenge of getting people to see that the immutable facts of existence were not so immutable after all. The challenge of finding a simple...